You're listening to Word on Health, the report with its finger on the pulse of popular medicine with Paul Pennington. Word on Health, for your very best of health. They're the two bean-shaped organs located on either side of the body, just beneath the ribcage, that play a vital role in keeping us healthy. They filter waste products from the blood, help maintain blood pressure, keep the correct levels of chemicals in your body, which in turn will help heart and muscles function properly. They produce a type of vitamin D that keeps bones healthy, and they help stimulate production of red blood cells. Yet, awareness of the importance of kidney health is poor. Fiona Loud is former policy director of the British Kidney Patient Association. Kidney disease from moderate to severe affects about 6% of our population. So it's absolutely vital that we increase awareness and understanding at all levels. And that's with GPs, with other healthcare professionals, and of course, very importantly, with members of the public. So people who perhaps have a history of kidney disease in their family are the kind of people that would want to be thinking, hmm, are my kidneys okay? And if they have any concerns, they should go to their GPs and have them investigated. Fiona, what might be the telltale signs of kidney disease? Well, the thing with kidney disease is that actually it's silent. So it's very difficult to tell. The only time it becomes, what should we say, noisy is towards the end when one perhaps might experience swelling or feelings of breathlessness and nausea. So in its early stages, it's much more insidious than that and it tends to affect the vascular system. And in fact, at its early stages, it's far more likely to relate to a heart condition or diabetes rather than to lead to anything such as kidney failure itself. Are there things that increase our risk of developing kidney disease? Some of the risks of that are the same as an increased one's risk of having a heart or any other type of vascular condition. So not eating too healthily, perhaps lots of salt and fat in the diet. High blood pressure is really quite closely related to it as well. Are there groups of people at heightened risk? Well, yes, there are, actually. First of all, if someone in your family has had kidney disease, or in fact, if someone in your family has diabetes, because they are quite closely related, those would be the people who perhaps might want to get themselves checked out. It's also fair to say that people in the South Asian community have a greater risk of developing kidney disease that develops more quickly, and therefore many people in the South Asian community will end up needing a kidney transplant. This is Word on Health with Paul Penningson. It's a lifelong developmental disability involving a biological or organic defect in the functioning of the brain. Autism is essentially a communication disorder and affects how a person sees the world around them and how they communicate with others. Tim Nichols is from the National Autistic Society. We talk about it as a spectrum condition. That means that while all people with autism share certain areas of difficulty, the condition affects them in different ways. Some people with autism are able to live independent lives, but some others are going to need a lot of support, possibly in a specialist environment. Tim, why is it so important that we're all more aware of autism? Our supporters consistently say that improving public understanding of autism is their top priority and that would have a fantastic impact on their lives. Okay, so let's run through the facts. Autism affects, I understand, 700,000 people in the UK, roughly one in a hundred. How does it manifest itself? I know it can't be cured, but what about therapies, help and support? Signs and symptoms of autism vary from person to person. So while some people may have a language delay as a child or communication problems as an adult to find it difficult to make friends, for example, they may also find it very difficult to pick up on social rules within a group setting or they may take things very literally and not make eye contact and some of these things can go unnoticed especially whilst a person is at school where structures like timetables and rules will help them be supported 
and then they have a lot of difficulty leaving that school setting where there's much less structure. What is really important for people with autism is getting the right support at the right time. The kinds of support that that can include will depend. For a child, it might include speech and language therapy or having learning support within a school. And as an adult, people with autism might need support from social services to live independently. Only 15% of adults with autism are in full-time employment. But I know with simple adjustments, that number could be boosted hugely. There are no limits on what jobs people with autism might actually be capable of. What is important is that there is the right support there for them to be able to do that. And that might mean training for other staff so they understand autism. It might mean changes to the physical environment. Putting you in the picture, this is Word on Health with Paul Pennington. 40 years ago, one in three of us over the age of 16 had no teeth at all. Today, those levels have been reduced by 50%, given that the majority of us routinely use fluoride toothpaste. But there is so much more that we could do to help guard against a whole range of dental problems. Research shows that very few of us have been taught how to clean our teeth properly, unaware of just how long we should be brushing and when. Dr James Gulnick is a leading London-based dentist and author of the aptly titled book, Brush. Studies have shown twice a day, two minutes each time is the optimum time to clean your teeth and the most important time to clean your teeth is actually just before you go to bed. So what about the brushes we use, James? We usually suggest for most people a medium brush and then really when you go to your dentist or a hygienist, see how they suggest your brushing is going. What a lot of people do, especially the big rugby player guys, they overbrush. So often we suggest using a softer brush just because they're going to brush hard anyway. And some people are just slightly too soft so they can use a harder brush. And then really the next most important thing is replacing the brush regularly. They last about two to three months and they don't become as effective. So throw it away every three months. I know you're very keen to underline the need for regular dental checkups. The real critical thing the dentist does is check for mouth cancer. And mouth cancer is on the increase at the moment. We're suggesting that no matter how healthy you are, what your diet is and whether you smoke or drink, every two years you need to see your dentist to check for signs of mouth cancer because small signs can be easily treated. They can check for tooth decay and fix things very simply and very cheaply. Studies suggest that just under 60% of us are unhappy with our smiles and increasingly tinkering with our teeth, it seems, is becoming the way to give our face a lift. One of the much sought-after cosmetic dentistry procedures is teeth whitening. It's thought that last year alone well over 150,000 of us paid to have a whiter smile, yet more and more are looking to the internet for cheaper DIY solutions. Why might this not be the best idea? People are buying higher concentrations of gels. They're using slightly acidic solutions as well. Usually what happens is we find they're getting a lot of sensitivity because the chemicals are too strong for their mouth. They're getting burns because they've got trays that actually don't fit their mouth. And also they can dissolve their enamel of their teeth because they're very acidic. Whitening doesn't work for everyone. Some of it's dependent on your teeth and really naturally how white they'll go. But the other thing is if you've got anything artificial in your mouth, fillings, veneers, crowns, dentures, things like that, they actually won't whiten. What considerations should we make when looking for a cosmetic dentist? General dentists are not trained in cosmetic dentistry. So first of all, when you find somebody, ask them what training they've had to do cosmetic dentistry and see what other qualifications they've got. The second thing is ask your friends and family for recommendations for somebody. Don't just do it on the internet. When you go and see somebody, ask to see examples that they've had of similar work, pictures of before and after of other cases they've done, and see if they're members of professional organisations like the British Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry as well. And that's the safest way to improve your smile. This is Word on Health with Paul Pennington.
diverticulosis is extremely common. In fact, one in two of us, as we get older, will develop these little pouches on the bowel wall, mainly, but not exclusively down, the left-hand side of the colon. Julie Thompson is from the charity Guts UK. The cause is still a little bit unclear, really, but we suspect there's something in the Western lifestyle that's implicated, and that may well be diet-related, it may be down to activity, there may be some genetic component to it. But we know that the Western lifestyle predisposes people to have it more often. Julie, how will we know if we've developed diverticulosis? So most people don't ever know until they have a colonoscopy or an investigation. And for the majority of people, they wouldn't ever develop any symptoms. However, one in four people might go on to have what we call diverticular disease. So what are the symptoms of diverticular disease? Generally, lower abdominal pain, bloating, changing bowel habit, either constipation or diarrhoea. However, it has to be said that we shouldn't really assume that it's diverticular so any changes should be investigated by your doctor but these are the general symptoms that can occur. The treatment really is to avoid constipation and just to keep your bowel moving really more than anything. Fluids, fibre in the diet, they used to be advised about avoiding skins um, and pips but there's no real evidence that that causes an issue. The advice now is really to sort of keep your poop soft so that it doesn't stick in the pouches. When I was diagnosed I was told to be careful about my consumption of red meat? What we'd normally advise is have 100 grams or 4 ounces up to 3 times a week and no more than that. I developed an infection that required hospitalisation and treatment. How common is that? So you're unfortunately in the up to 1 in 4 people with diverticular disease who had an infection as a cause of it. So again that doesn't happen to everybody. The guidelines is around if you follow a healthy lifestyle you're less likely to be admitted to a hospital with diverticulitis. It's all about healthy eating. This is Word on Health Plus with Paul Pennington. It's a chronic and debilitating condition that affects more than 10 million people across the UK. Research shows that a great many of us wrongly presume arthritis is only something you develop with age. Anna Sir Rahman is Professor of Rheumatology at University College London and medical spokesperson for the charity Arthritis Research UK. Arthritis is a group of diseases which often affect joints but are not confined to the joints. There are lots of different things that can cause that, like osteoarthritis, which comes when you get older as the joints wear out. And if you live long enough, everybody will get some osteoarthritis. But some people will get it earlier than other people if they've damaged their joints in some way. But there are other forms of arthritis which are caused by the immune system attacking your own body. These can occur in young people, even children. Those forms of arthritis can affect other parts of the body as well, like the lungs and the kidney. Are there any particular factors that make someone predisposed to developing arthritis? If we think about that osteoarthritis, it runs in some families. Being older can, being over overweight can because it obviously puts more strain on the joints. Some forms of jobs can lead to arthritis in particular areas. So for example, professional sportsmen, if they damage joints, they may get arthritis earlier in those joints later on. In the inflammatory or autoimmune conditions, we don't know exactly what predisposes to those in people because the immune system is very complicated. But certainly genetics play some role in it and we're looking very hard in research to find out other things which could cause those forms of illness and new treatments for those forms of illness. I know alongside anti-inflammatories and painkillers, there are newer and modern treatments that can help patients with those forms of arthritis that can affect the immune system and internal organs. Thinking of the most common form of arthritis, are there things that we can do to prevent or delay the onset? There's so much that we can do for ourselves to look after our joints. 
keeping to an ideal weight. If you are very overweight, you run the risk of developing arthritis, say, in your back or your hips or your knees. Staying flexible, doing a reasonable amount of exercise, living a healthy lifestyle is important. If you're in a job where you sit at a desk all day, maybe you could try and just take a break every so often and walk around. So there are a lot of things that people can do to look after their joints and reduce their chances of getting arthritis. Putting you in the picture, this is Word on Health with Paul Pennington. Every year, up to 30 lives are lost from carbon monoxide poisoning associated with domestic gas appliances not having been properly installed or maintained. Whilst all UK governments and assemblies have made moves to ensure more homes are fitted with approved carbon monoxide detectors, they shouldn't be used as a substitute for regular checks and servicing. Avril Smith is from the Health and Safety Executive. If you live in rented accommodation, there's a legal requirement on landlords to get appliances checked every year and you can ask to see the safety certificate. In other premises, it really is up to the householder to decide how often they should get their appliance checked. Most people would think that probably once a year would be appropriate. And when it comes to getting things checked out, Avril, it really is important to get the right person for the job, isn't it? Make sure that work on gas appliances is only undertaken by a registered gas installer. You need to check also that that registered gas installer is competent in that particular area of work. What are the telltale signs that might indicate indicate a fire, stove or boiler is potentially dangerous. Yellow orange flames, except for fuel effects fires, which always display this flame, but the flame should normally be a bluish colour. Another sign to look out for is sort of stains around the appliance. So if you've got a pilot light, which frequently goes out. If you've got any of those signs at all, the suggestion is that the appliance isn't working properly and you would be advised to switch it off and call a registered gas installer. Alongside the appliances, we have to make sure rooms are well ventilated. If we have carbon monoxide detectors, we replace the batteries once a year if they're battery operated and if they're plugged into an outlet, you test them once a month. All this is important, of course, because you can't see, smell or taste carbon monoxide fumes, but they can kill in a few short hours. Avril, what are the symptoms that might suggest that someone's affected by carbon monoxide poisoning? Tiredness, headaches, nausea, stomach pains, pains in the chest, breathlessness and sometimes there can be giddiness, sight problems and even strange behaviour. Symptoms can be short-term or long-term and they can all be easily confused with other illnesses. So it's really important that if somebody thinks that they've got CO poisoning that they should seek urgent medical help either through the GP or going to the hospital accident emergency department. Word on Health. On air and online 52 weeks of the year with Paul Pennington. Word on Health. Your personal prescription for your very best of health.